made it to another episode of the Pipe Dream Podcast. This is a show that reveals the real and raw of tradesmen's stories. We get the truth from those who support the people who do the work. We also take a deep dive with resilience experts and those who do the heavy lifting, supporting the labor force. Listen for today's tale from the trench. Hello, my brothers. This is Nick Gamble, the Awakened Tradesman. And the topic of today's episode is No Daughter of Mine, a discussion <laughs> with Rhonda Sawchuk. Sit back and relax and listen to today's tale from the trench. Excellent. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah, nice that you uh, could make time to, to be here. It's great. Yes. And like I was saying earlier, it's really nice to share a platform with somebody that definitely shares some of the same visions as, as me. Uh, I want to make the industry a little bit of a, a healthier, a healthier place mentally and physically, and we'll start with one one laborer at a time, I guess. Oh, so no, that's awesome, and that's I guess how we uh, connected a little bit and mm-hmm. Facebook. But I guess before that, uh, maybe introduce uh, you know a little backstory on yourself for the listeners would be great. Okay. Uh, well, I got into the oil and gas probably about 20 years ago, and I, I started from the ground up. I started laboring. Uh, I was a welder's helper for a little while, and then I uh, eventually got into safety because I truly had a passion for it. I genuinely did care about people and their well-being. But um, the whole no daughter of mine, though, that comes from my father, who was a old school pipeliner from the old boys club. And about 20 years ago, I told him that I was going to go out into the oil field. And I remember this clearly. He was sitting in his lazy boy chair and he ejected. (laughs) He ejected out of his chair and he said, no daughter of mine is going out to those goddamn camps. And uh, I was like, okay, then. Um, But, you know, back growing up, I was a little bit of a a hooligan growing up. So my dad obviously foreseen the troubles that I may have gotten into. But I mean, I went anyways. And um, I'm going to say it's probably been one of the best careers of my entire life. Um, Those are my family out there. And I've got a, a lot of amazing stories to share which brings me to my mental health project. I genuinely care about the people out there. And I think that we need to make a little bit of a difference or a lot of a difference, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so great. Um, especially, yeah, I know a lot. I know I shouldn't say a lot. I know a few safety people that have taken that initiative as well, not to the level that you have, um, but they do have the, the, uh, they do have that uh, love for other people and that's mm-hmm. a lot of the reason why they're in safety to begin with. So it's, uh, I feel that it's a natural progression for sure. Right. Yes. And, you know, and throughout the years too, uh, I didn't really consider myself a safety officer. I considered myself more of a mentor and I really believed in having communication, like relationships with your with your crew, you know, let them have an open door so that they come can come and talk about their troubles at home. And that's what I found over the years. People are really, truly struggling out there. And because it's kind of a well, you've probably heard the term HAF, the yeah. am I allowed to swear here? <laughs> Whatever you want here. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I mean, you're familiar with the HAF culture, right? The hard as fuck. I mean, I even I even have some of the gear that has HAF on it, and um, and I'm I get that it the lifestyle is definitely rugged and it's a nomadic lifestyle, but um, there's also a stigma attached to that too. That we're not you got to be tough enough not to talk about your feelings or get over it or suck it up, and you know, and I just think that that needs to end because statistically, you know, suicide amongst males are the highest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drugs and alcohol, the family crisis at home while we're on the road. Like, I mean, you live it firsthand. You know what it's like. It's not easy being on the road for seven days a week, you know, working 14 hour days and and being home maybe like what, 10 times out of the year. (laughs) It's hard on people and people need resources to, to reach out to. 
Yeah. And it was, it was bad before. And I threw this question out and it didn't get the engagement that I thought maybe it would, but it's a lot of people maybe internalizing it. I'm hoping is, is what, especially Alberta now shutting down again with the, I don't yeah. know COVID on here at all, but yeah. if, when you're, when your wife is now working and having to deal with your kids, like how do you feel stuck in a camp somewhere? Um, and you're providing, that's what you're doing and he, he, or vice versa. But mm-hmm. if one away, and now this is happening where she's having to do already had to do everything, but now having to homeschool. On yes. Top, yes. How do you? How does that make you feel? And that's, yeah. that's okay. It's okay. But my whole thing is, and you touch on it a bit, is like, yeah, the hardest fuck. But you, you really need to. You really need out on the line is not the place to deal with that. Correct. Right? Yeah, you, there is a time and a place for this shit. And but when you're working, it, mm-hmm. you are. Working. And when your head is off in the clouds, and I have definitely been guilty of this, all of yes. us. Have. Mm-hmm. But you're not dealing with those emotions and those uh, and yes. those after work or before. Yes. Then you're going to bring it into the workplace. And then this is when the incidents happen. And those types of studies aren't being done. Exactly. And, uh, Exactly. And there is four mental states of all incidents. Um, and I call them mental states because it's like frustration and anger, fatigue, complacency, rushing, shortcutting. And I don't know how many times I've had to pull somebody off the line and said, hey, what is your deal? Like, what is wrong? You know, he's glued to his phone. He will not put his phone down. They're doing a hot tie in, or maybe he's running a piece of equipment, you know, and you just need to get that time out. And, and then they tell you the story, like I'm fighting with my wife, my kids are acting up in school and I can't be there. And, and all of those stresses of home are now out on the line when they are in very safety sensitive situations and, um, and this is where I want to come in, right, so that we can have the resources for these guys to, you know, at the end of the day, maybe they have like a, a counselor on site or, or, or even a Zoom meeting, right, like have somebody that's just there. And um, I know for a fact, because I've actually had some interviews with people who have put these programs in place, uh, one being the mining industry. And between mining and the oil and gas, we share 60% of all the labor, uh, the uh, general population. And um, they put in a program where they go out and do a three-hour workshop with supervisors and a 45-minute crew talk. And Mm -hmm. since they've put those programs in, their family assistance program skyrocketed which now means people are realizing that yes you know what I need to get some help which now brings me to your program right which I just I love it you know what I mean so now you bring awareness into the field now we're sending them to guys like you that says you know what you need to sign up for this 90 90 day program and just learn how to have some basic communication skills, how to deal with long distance relationships, how to deal with loneliness and isolation, you know, just basic life skills to try to, you know, make things a little easier on people when they're away. Yeah. And it's, I just had this conversation with a client of mine last night after our our group meeting, and then he wanted to talk about some other stuff. And, uh, And he's like, seriously, man, like this guy is, I can't say who he is and what he does, obviously, but high up in the labor unions, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, and around a lot of like, let's say very smart people with letters behind their names. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. But, and he's legit said, and this is not tooting my own horn, but this is just life. This is just the way that it is, is that. Um, people can know stuff <laughs> like be book smart, I will say, yeah. mm-hmm. but other people can apply it. And maybe I don't know why I say a lot of the things that I say and why I feel that it's important. But mm-hmm. when someone like this acknowledges that I can sit in the room, like I personally can sit in the room, he would put me in the room with these smart people that with these letters behind it yeah. and have 
types of conversation. He says that I'm on that level and it's not tooting my own horn, but it is, it is just, we don't need, you, do, you don't need those people to reach out to you. If you tell a dude on the line or even a woman on the line that, like, Hey, you need maybe see, you should consider seeing a counselor or doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Nick. I am so with you on that because I myself do not have any letters beside my name. But you know what is a, di a diploma in my eyes is life experience. You know, you were you are in the trenches with those guys. I'm in those trenches, right? Like I'm not a corporate safety. I'm a field safety. So I am in those camps with those guys. And, um, and like I said, they're my fathers, my brothers, my uncles, right? And, and I truly ca I care. And, um, and since I've um, started this project, I've collaborated with people like yourself that do not have letters beside their name. Uh, one who I got their blessing to uh, drop their name would be Shane Kendrick. And he is an addictions recovery and intervention specialist, but he worked the oil field as well. And he, he went through all of it. You know, he was um, an addict. He, he went through recovery, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've never been an addict or that I've had drinking problems or relationship problems because I've had it all, you know, and working in the field and not being able to like have like a, a normal life. It's hard. Like it can be really hard on somebody. Oh, unless you have been there and been in that isolation of being in your own head for months at a time. Yes. Or the next long weekend comes or the next whatever. I like, know. Like yeah. your, until you've been in that, you can't talk. I don't care how much book learning you've done. You can't exactly. not talk on it the same way. You might not know all of the terms and all of the... <laughs> uh, yeah the fancy models that they use to uh, base all of their research on, but, yeah. um, but you're able to, and, and I don't know about yourself, but it's like, for me, it's not counseling. I do not counsel. I am not, no. a, not a psychiatrist. I'm not no. anything like that. And I don't pretend to be. And this is why that, that client of mine had that discussion with me last night. Cause he says like, it's not, it's just, it's just learning to look at life in a different way and ask better questions. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when a guy like this, that's, you know, he's, he, he's a man's man. Like he is jacked. He is every, everything. Right. And mm -hmm. he's done it all. So for him to say that it was a huge, I'm still processing that conversation because it was great, yeah. but but it just goes to show you what like people like yourself that step into that light, like it's needed um, because people want to be able to talk. And if they have no one that they feel that they can reach out to, how are they? Gonna do that? Yeah. And I absolutely love that. And that's why I reached out to you, Nick, is because I feel like we are cut from the same cloth. We come from the experience and I've been told now by some corporates because I've let them read some of my content and whatnot. And at one point I was told that, well, you know, you really should take the F-bomb out of that. And, you know, and I'm like, no, my target audience is not the ivory tower. You know, they have access to better resources and, you know, and the psychology and, and the, the counselors and whatnot, right? We have to talk to these people at their level. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. And I would love for you to even just research this on your own. If you go to the Canadian Energy Regulator website, they have a, a safety mission statement. And it says in there, I'm going to read verbatim almost, that all major industrial accidents, um, there was already safety programs implemented, but they were not being reviewed or implemented um, regularly. And one thing that they found as a key factor in major industrial accidents was culture, the culture. And then so how is it? And then there was a huge disconnect between the company's visions and policies. And this is where I'm getting at. The corporates are writing the visions and policies and therefore, and then it's passed down to our frontline field supervision. And then it's passed on again. It's passed on to a group of individuals that speak a much different language. Now you're telling me that a guy who's willing to take a risk 
because he's been hired because he's a natural born risk taker in the first place. And it takes a certain kind of person to be out there in the first place. You're going to talk about visions and policies to this person. That's not where his head's at. And when they break the, the safety laws or the rules, you know, do you think that another policy and procedure that I have to go type up in my office is going to make a difference? No, they don't care about those things. You know, it's the mentality, the culture. And that's like, that's where I believe where you're coming in is like that tough love. You know, hey, buddy, you want to just love yourself today? you know, and act appropriately and be a part of society and, and, and function normally instead of being a, dr- a drunk or a drug addict or, you know, a womanizer or whatever. I mean, not, not all of them are like that. I get that because I've met a lot of good people, but the rest of us, some we're hooligans, we're misfits. <laughs> and, it's, and it's good. Like you're mm-hmm. in order to do the work that we do, mm-hmm. you have a little bit fucked up. And yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Gentle way that you can take that and mm-hmm. fucked up in the way that, listen, I have a job to do and it is hard and I am going to do it no matter what. Yeah. But it's uh, like we talked about at the beginning, but now, okay, what comes along with that? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> very long days, you're beat up, you're, you're, you're yeah. exhausted. Mm-hmm. Then you're, you're guilty, shame for being gone from your kids, your wife, your friends. Like all of a sudden you wake up and now you don't have any more friends because every time they ask you to go golfing or on a trip, you're, you're not there. Yes. Yeah. The divorce rate, the divorce rate is through the roof. You know, Um, there's some, there's two different groups there though. There's one group like my dad's generation and some of the guys that I work with are like, yeah, my wife, she can hardly wait for me to get back to work. Because when I'm home, I disrupt the schedule. The kids are acting out. I spend too much money. And she just wants me out of the house. And they get along fine. They're great because she's independent and she likes her likes her um, freedom or whatever in, in a good way. Um, and then there's the other ones that have like the um, codependency, anxious attachment. Um, they just do not do well on the road at all, right? And um, it's really unfortunate because these guys, I feel are very overworked, sometimes even underpaid, and then really underappreciated when they get home. And I watched it physically, like I observed it physically, the guys would come from days off, and they looked beat. I mean, they had a honey to do list that was as long as their arm. The kids demanded their attention constantly. They had this, all these events that they had to attend, and they didn't get any rest you know, and they came back to work more fatigued and depressed than they left. And that broke my heart. And that's where I almost like, I want to also talk to the families at home. Like you have no idea how many times I felt like taking somebody's phone away from them and calling their girlfriend or their wife and say, give the guy a break. You know, he's working 14 hours a day. As soon as his foot, his feet hit the ground, he's at a dead run. He doesn't have time for small talk and how was your day and what did you eat? And uh, part of my program, I want to teach just basic communication skills like, you know, um, setting boundaries, not having to be available 24-7 for that phone call or that text. Like that's, to me, that's very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that part of it. Definitely. I've, I had, uh, I know a friend of mine that a hundred percent all day long, ring, 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 yes. not focused on what you're doing. Uh, on the flip side, I also had a, uh, and we all have these stories, but yes. there, was, uh, <laughs> there was a, a friend of mine or sorry, I was on a job and inspecting, we're digging a hotline. And all you could see is the whole operator's mouth moving and like, okay, what's going on? We shut him down. Yes. And he had it on speakerphone in his lap, the phone. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's yelling at his wife, like yelling and they were having, well, they were both yelling. Right. Mm -hmm. But we're digging a fucking hotline. Are you joking? Like I know it was um, yeah a big discussion. Okay, what do we do? And uh, we won't get into what we what we did, but just the just the fact that this is the stuff that goes on uh, yes. every every day. 
every day on every spread, something like this is happening. Yes. And I'll touch on the, uh, on the strong wives as well, because that's mm -hmm. who my wife was. Yes. And probably still is, but it just not as my wife. And, <laughs> but that personality, it bites you in the ass because yes. It's uh, like there, there has to be a balance where, yeah, you're gone. And when, especially when that relationship ends, mm -hmm. there's a lot of <laughs> animosity between the both because of the entitlement of being gone. And yeah. then, uh, and then the entitlement of raising the kids and not having a job, right? Well, right. you did for different reasons, but now that you're separated or now, oh man, it is, it is a, it is a slippery slope. So it's great to have a strong woman, but you need to have these conversations because it's not all roses. She is not strong a hundred percent of the time. No, and no. Where are you? So definitely have these conversations. So no, I love the communication part of your program. That's great. Yeah. 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 And one of the, um, like I, I decided to focus on five core topics and you're going to relate to every single one of them. Uh, the first one is fear of abandonment. Uh, which is the separation anxiety. And I don't know about you, but it didn't matter how many times I packed that suitcase and left for work, that anxious knot in my stomach that I just felt like things were not going to be the same when I got back or, or just the, the, the angry texting started, you know, and it, it just, yeah, you know, and that was a really tough one for me was the fear of abandonment. Little did I know that all these mental states come because of it, like, uh, feeling of being powerless, uh, the jealousy, you know, the, the abandonment issues. Right. And sometimes that can come from our childhood of maybe just having divorced parents or losing a loved one. You know, um, the second core topic is loneliness and isolation. Um, a lot of us actually, I mean, I'm gypsy by nature, so I didn't mind it. I can deal with that. Okay. But I found that a lot of people that I was dating or whatever did not do well with that. Um, and then, um, and then social anxiety too, because I remember my first time in camp and I've got a really funny story and I'll share that some other time, but I was terrified. I mean, I went, I went into that kitchen and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> there was like 300 men in there and everybody's staring at you. It felt like the first day of high school. And, um, and then I was like, oh my God, this is what my dad was talking about. And, you know, because when people ask me, what's it like out there with all those men? I'm like, well, let's be honest. It's like being in the boys locker room all day, every day. Um, but the thing is, I can't be offended because they're just as inappropriate with their buddy. And that's just the culture. That's the way it, it is. Right. But somebody suffers from social anxiety. That would be a very terrifying, terrifying experience. Um, the third one is peer pressure, drugs and alcohol. Um, you got peer pressure that can come in the form of taking risks too, wanting to fit in. And then the fourth one is work-life balance, which I really find in supervisors because even when they are on time off, they are absolutely glued to their phones and emails. You know, I mean, they'll be answering calls during a, a anniversary dinner with their wife, right? And I mean, they, you know, they can't shut it off. And then the last one is called breakup and hopefully not your relationship when you get home. And uh, lots of guys have a hard time integrating back into home life too, right? Now they're idle. They don't have any real hobbies maybe, or they're, the hobbies that they do have are really expensive ones and they're out spending money. And I remember one oil filled wife said to me, she's like, why does my eight-year-old have a $1,200 iPad? Like, so I, I feel like men make up for the lost time and spend. I know my, yeah, my dad, my dad, <laughs> my dad did that with me too. It was like, here, kid, have this. And I was like, wow, okay. Meanwhile, I never knew the man, you know, I grew up without him. So those are my five core topics. And I can tell with your, you know, the way you're reacting, you can relate to just about all of them. Absolutely. And yeah. my, I remember you talked about leaving and definitely that one. I, uh, mm -hmm. I'm way better. I'm actually better now that it's just me, that it's just me. And when I leave, because mm -hmm. it, nothing changes, I still send the messages that I sent to my kids. I still do yeah. that. So, mm -hmm. but I don't have that physical 
barrier of having to say goodbye, right? Like, yes, yeah. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, so it's almost easier now. It, it's gut-wrenching, though. Yes, and, and that's the thing, yeah, that's the thing like, with me. Yeah, a lot of tools to be able to deal with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the next one was the uh, uh, leaving camp is where I... I've actually literally pulled over on the side of the road after we were, whatever, three and a half months in. And it was my first long stint away, first. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even think about it. Like, but I'm leaving camp and I had to pull over to dry heave to come home. Mm -hmm. I didn't, all I, I was like, no, like this is, this was great. Like I was getting paid every day, like, <laughs> but I, I was, I was more comfortable there than I was at home. And yes, yes. It didn't take long to change that feeling, like that happiness. Like you're still happy to go home. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but it's just the, I'm way more comfortable here at work than I was at home. I had oh, nothing. I know that feeling. Nothing to do with my wife. Nothing to do with my kids. No, no, not at all. It's <laughs> um, it's your family though. Like those are your tight knit family and I think people on the home front that's part of the um the ne neglect the the neglect part they feel like they're at home waiting for you meanwhile you want to hang out with your buddies maybe after work to catch a game or something like that you know because yeah we work with these people all day but there's still a, a certain sense of social like you want to be social and and talk to them not so much at work you know and, and people don't understand that that that's our family now and they feel left out and they can't understand why we are get so attached to these people. And, but I mean, I've made lifelong friends, lifelong friends, you know, with this industry. And I, I will never, ever put this industry down ever. Like I will stick up for the people in this industry. I will fight for them. And that's part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this project and what you're doing because people need to speak out now for these these individuals. Mm -hmm. No, it's the only way that we're we're going to be able to keep putting pipe in the ground and <laughs> not just pipe, but everything. Like anyone who works away, like this man, even if you work shift work, like in town. So yeah. this is the whole thing, right? Like everybody you know, oh, you're home every night, you're good, right? But how many relationships do you see at home that are a train wreck because they work shift work, they don't deal with that, with the changing emotions that come with that, right? Your different sleep patterns, it all needs to be addressed. And it's yeah. not bullshit. And it's yeah, and there's a lot of industries out there. I mean, you got to think about even the sports industries, the music industry. There's a lot of industries which require people to pack their bags and leave their families. I get that. But the thing is, like like they say, you can't chase all the rabbits, right? And my my experience is the oil field, and I'm and that's what I'm focusing my my time on. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that struggle from this. You even look at the military. Look at how long they're gone. Can you imagine the anxiety of waiting for somebody to come home from the military, not even knowing if they're going to come home, you know? And and that's the thing, like, but, but in the oil field, like, that's who I know the best. And there's some really amazing individuals out there. But, um, and I kind of wanted to talk to, like, have you ever been to a safety meeting where they actually talked about any mental health or even nutrition? I I see it dabbled with like here and there and it might be a little bulletin but then that's mm -hmm. that's where it begins and then it ends yes I know and seeing this is this is where I want to start making a difference um and and actually start designing uh workshops or just even like whatever a lunch and learn or a half day workshop or whatever and specialize in going out to the remote locations but um, I remember long time ago, I actually got made fun of <laughs> because I did um, a bit of a, a nutrition safety meeting and I was talking about sodium and like high blood pressure. And the only reason I wanted to talk about it was because I know some of the um, equipment operators, they had made a comment about their heart medication, their high blood pressure medication. They had to double up on it due to the food. And so I did a meeting on that the next day and I got made fun of 
you know, and they're just like, well, what the hell does that have to do with safety, Rhonda? And I'm like, oh my God, that's the mentality though. I'm like nutrition and diet has everything to do with safety. I mean, it's, you know, it, studies have proven that having a healthy diet is, you know, linked to depression, fatigue, you know, all the health problems like the type two diabetes, high blood pressure can all be regulated through diet. And I mean, what, what would hurt by even bringing out like a nutritionalist in once every three months to do a talk on food, you know, it's just because, you know, as you know, in camp, what do we get fed mostly meat carbs, you know, you go to the sandwich cooler and most of it, the majority of it is all processed meat, white bread, right? You check people's lunches and it's Mr. Noodles, baking cookies, you know, and I'm like, Oh my God, help. (laughs) I maintained and you can do it. I maintained, um, as close as I could, Mm -hmm. uh, like full on meal prep plan when I was in camp. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. All I did was talk to the, talk to the cook. Yep. Yep. But see, don't, but some of these guys, they need the, the help though. They have no education on it. They don't even know where to start. You no, know, exactly. Like I pay, I pay someone or I paid someone to, to do that for me. Right. Yeah. And I was Okay. What do we do? And made it work. And yeah. it wasn't terrible, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a place to start. And, <laughs> and then if you, you know, I had this discussion with a, a high profile oil and gas producer and they're, uh, they're like, well, what is your, what do you think your solution is? And I said, don't call this mental health. I said, as soon as you bring up the words mental health, you get a glazed over look over anyone you're talking to and they start thinking about the baseball game or whatever. Yeah. It's just a fact and it's just a fact. So I I say, I don't want call this mental health. I don't, and I don't reframe, I don't frame it that way. I don't put it out that way. It is just actionable items and ask better questions. And through the process, through the program, what you're doing is you're dealing with your mental health. That's what, but it, but it's just how it's framed. And, and yeah, if you're going to talk to some 25-year-old kid or some 48-year-old on the line about mental health, they're going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Oh, it's God, crazy. yes, yes. <laughs> Fair, yeah. because that's our culture. That's what we're taught. But if you can frame it in a way, and this is maybe some, some you know, advice, I guess, for yeah. not, not mental health. Like yeah, I get that. I totally get that. I actually work with a coach right now um, and he doesn't have any letters beside his name. Right. And uh, I absolutely love his program and he calls it mental wealth, you know, Mm -hmm. mental wealth. And everybody's like, Oh, mental wealth. What is that? And, you know, and it's just, Hey, it's good advice to make your life a better place. Right. And, uh, but you're absolutely right because there is a stigma attached to it. And, but it does have to end soon because um, I can't, obviously I can't mention any names, but just recently I was on a job um, and I was there for less than a month. And I bet you in about a month and a half, they had three overdoses and a suicide. And I'm like, wow. And you know, in the, during the whole orientation, which was beautifully done, I absolutely have no complaints about that, but not once did they talk about mental health. You know, it's health, safety, and environment, you know, and, um, and and talking with some of the corporations out there, they do want to make a difference. But I, I don't know if you saw the post that I, I put up yesterday, um, Suncor, they posted something. Yeah, and they, they're actually starting to talk about it now, too, and have the family assistance programs in place. And so we're slowly starting to get a little bit of momentum, but not enough. Because no. as you know, these two massive projects that are happening right now, um, we're going to have a manpower of like thousands, you oh, yeah. know, and all of these people are we- working away from home. 
And I think now's the time to really start hitting hard with this stuff because these projects are going to be a minimum of five years, you know, and then there'll probably be lots of residual work after that. So now's the time, right? I mean, there's a lot of people going to work here soon. I know Merritt's going to be flooded with pipeliners here pretty soon. Yeah, no, it's great. It's mm. great. And it, and it seriously is, uh, needs to be talked about and needs to be dealt with. But it's okay. How the how do we do it in the most effective way where you don't push people away? Yeah, that, yes. That's the the whole thing. So yeah, the mental wealth or however it needs to yeah. package, it it needs to be. But yeah, the the overdoses, the um, all of that needs to needs to stop because yeah. it, it's not needed. You're you're doing it for a reason, and it's very fulfilling. It's very awesome work, and it's. So great. Like a, you're putting a 48 inch piece of pipe in the ground. Like how cool is that? Uh, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, so no, it's, it's so great. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I really think it's, it's, it's coming, but it has to be grassroots. These companies, yeah. Yeah. companies are too big. Uh, there's too many stakeholders that, that dollar. Yeah. It, yeah, it's you, there's no R visible ROI on it. Yes. Let's put yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. There's no visible ROI on it, and and just the legal. Uh, you and I talked offline about it, but just yeah. the, just the legal ramifications of of doing it if you put these uh, programs in place. Yes, goes sideways. Well, are you liable? Are you yes. did you? Did your people say the wrong thing to this person? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's a really good point. And actually, Nick, after you and I talked about that offline, about the liabilities, I really went to work on that and I really gave it a lot of thought. And yes, you're absolutely right. Everything has a liability, right? But I look at it the same way as say, like I'm, I'm also got my level three first aid ticket. And I look at it in a way that say, you know, if somebody comes to me with a really bad cut finger and I clean it up and I put the butterfly bandages on and I I leave for the day and tell them, you know, keep that clean and dry. You keep that clean and dry. And then a week from now, it turns black and falls off. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, the first thing I'm going to ask him, though, is like, where did you have that finger? (laughs) Sorry. But but there has to be something that does protect the people. There has to be like there has to be a way. Um, and I will find it, but there has to be a way where we can protect those supervisors that have those awareness courses so that they are not liable. Because I think there's more liability in not doing anything about it when they're just, you know, one thing that really irks me to know tomorrow is when a guy shows up to work and you can visibly see that he is hungover or still under the influence Right. And I actually got into a pretty heated debate with a security guard one time about this. He's like, well, you need to send him for a drug and alcohol test. I said, hey, buddy, why don't we just save the company one hundred and fifty bucks? It's pretty obvious that he's under the influence. What is a drug and alcohol test going to do at this point? Oh, right. Wipe your hands of them so that you can shit can them and send them walking. You know what? The guy had a bad day. All right. He went and got drunk. How about I just take him? take him back to camp. He can sleep it off. And we'll just say that this will never happen again. And I thought it was over. I thought it was done. Well, no, that security guard wrote a 10 page letter about me saying that I was not doing my job and that I should be fired. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, wow, you're kidding me. I tried to go to bat for one of our guys. I mean, I'm a safety and I'm still going to admit that I've had moments. I've fallen off the wagon in camp. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I haven't. We have moments. But does that make me, should that make me, you know, like, should I be fired for that? Or should maybe I have somebody to talk to and ask me what the hell's going on, Rhonda? Like, why did you fall off the wagon in camp? Like, what's going on? How's your home life? You know, <laughs> it's a, it's not fair. Oh, no, it's it's not. And, and it's that sort of thing. So, but the whole thing is, and this is what I, I preach and I teach is that it's on the person. It's mm-hmm. on the person because these, whether it's it's yours or my program or a, a therapist on the phone, they're all yeah. over. 
show up in your feed because you're it doesn't <laughs> if you research the wrong thing we all know how google works right oh god yeah there's places that this stuff shows up but it's on you to take uh, ownership of those feelings and those emotions and yes fucking phone and phone somebody and say hey listen i don't feel good i don't yeah. know why right but talk about it and that's that's just what it needs to happen it's just it's you it's yes. you and no one else is going to pick up that phone or send that email or that text or whatever so that's where it starts and until it gets to that point it's mm -hmm. not the companies it's not the companies uh in my mind it's yeah. not responsibility the responsibility is to have <laughs> have something as long as i don't whatever it is and most mm -hmm. of them they have a toll free line that people mm -hmm. can and that's great but it's okay. up to the person to do that so it's yeah. changing that culture to to listen like mm -hmm. Up the fucking phone, man. Yeah. And that's why I think that there should be more programs, like just even workshops, right? Or even just mandatory safety meetings, like, and make them a little bit more mandatory just to bring awareness and say, hey, you know, do pick up that phone, do make that 1 800 phone call. Because otherwise, people are not using those resources at all because they are out there. You're right. They are out there. But I think. For myself, I feel like people need uh, more of a gentle nudge or a little more of a reminder, you know, um, it just because a lot of these guys too, they, you know, I'm not stereotyping anybody, right? But we are a group of misfits. Yep. So there's a lot of dysfunction that already comes to the job site that starts at home, you know, so they actually think what they're doing is just normal. It's regular life. And I think with just a little bit more awareness and some life coaching skills, you know, maybe they'll get that aha moment and they will pick up the phone. Because like I was saying earlier with the mines, their family assistance program, people reached out to that. It skyrocketed all because they actually had somebody come in and do a three hour workshop or a 45 minute tool talk or a, a crew talk. And then, and then, yeah. And then actually what they found too, statistically is that sick days and prescriptions that were directly related to mental health in three months trended down. So, you know, so I think part of my job now is to collect some of this data and go, here's the proof. We need to put these programs in place and look at the numbers they are going to go down. You'll get workers that are going to want to, they're going to be more productive. They're going to be happier. They might stay sober, you know, and, and you're right though. There, it is up to the person, but sometimes we just need a little help, right? I know throughout my life, I had help. I had coaches and my coaches got coaches, right? It doesn't stop. No, no. And it's, but once I found like the, the guys in my program, when it's the daily accountability of checking mm -hmm. it, yeah. like, it changes things huge, like young, old, what, whatever their mm -hmm. daily accountability of checking in through their emotions, through, yeah. you have an app that they go through a bunch of questions every day, every day, positive, negative triggers. They're dealing with it every day and they're, they're visiting their mission. They're visiting their values on a daily basis and they're visiting every part of their being. So their mm -hmm. body, their being, their balance and their business, they're dealing with it all. And am I yeah. moving towards a target or am I moving if I, or am I drifting? Because mm -hmm. they create 90 day targets in each mm -hmm. area. So yeah. they're moving forward and not able to stay stagnant because right. it's accountability and this is what i have found to be the biggest piece of this is it's just not tools it's just mm -hmm. just not talk it's the action yeah. <laughs> you have to daily post mm -hmm. in the group mm -hmm. and that was the biggest thing and yeah and i love the 90 days nick and the reason why i love that is because i i i'm a i love neurology i don't know if you study neurology at all but like with the 90 days, it actually creates new neural pathways in the brain. So with the daily accountability, which I absolutely support that 100%, it disrupts the negative thought pattern. 
it disrupts it. And it, you know, and then they replace that with something positive. And then after the 90 days, it actually becomes part of their, their makeup now, you know, and, and this is what's going to work. Like, you know, and that's why with the, um, you know, like just having like a, somebody come in and do a safety speech. And then six months later, we don't even remember that person anymore. What good is that going to do? There needs to be consistency. So, but the next level is they're actually paying for it. They're paying for daily accountability. Mm -hmm. There's a physical currency that's being transferred that's out of their genes and into me. So it's okay. Like, I don't want to do this today, Mm -hmm. but guess what? going to do it because I freaking paid you some money and it's just like a personal trainer where if yeah. you don't go up but you still paid the money well you now cannot blame your results yeah. on somebody else because you didn't show up and yeah. that's the beauty of it and that's the hard knocks of my program is there is no bullshit there's no hiding there's no lying either you showed up you did the work or you didn't mm-hmm. and and we don't judge you if you didn't. Okay, we will support you because mm-hmm. you got some shit going on. Yeah, you'd be a very scary accountability partner, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I was just kidding. No, I think that's great. And the thing is, uh, you speak from experience. So you are a tough love. And that's what they need. You're not talking just to the average Joe here. I mean, these guys are already, you know, tough as nails, right? And the whole accountability thing, like it's a proven fact. It's a scientific fact that if you write a goal down just once, you have a 70% increase of actually achieving it. And the numbers just keep going up when you have accountability partners, somebody to answer to, right? And, you know, you're an awesome guy. Like, you know, a lot of these guys probably really look up to you and they don't want to disappoint you, you know, and that's great. Like, you know, you have the you have the personality of a, of a genuine coach, and and that's what's important too, because you care. You actually do give a shit about these guys. And that's, yeah, and it's it's hard sometimes because I do care. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, didn't know I was an empath, but I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's great. And I think, uh, yeah, I think I'd love to have more conversations with you on this as you move along with your for sure. Oh, and yeah, I'll definitely share it when it comes out. Because like I, I told you offline, like, like, I don't care where people go, like, they're going to resonate with you, they're going to mm-hmm. resonate with me more, it doesn't matter. So yes. we, we can share this stuff, because you're not for one, you're not going to reach everyone anyways, because they no. don't want it. They no. don't, you know, you know what I say to this, Nick, help, help build the empire, right? Yeah. Because there is hundreds of thousands of people and they might not even just be in the oil field. You know, word of mouth gets out. Now, all of a sudden, you got guys from the mining corporation and logging and and, and d- drilling or whatever. So honestly, you know, we collaborate and I will definitely send people your way, too, because not everybody's going to resonate with me. You know, and it's not so much a coaching program that even that I may put into place. I just want to be the person that's going out to the remote locations and saying, hey, you need a guy like Nick who's signing up, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's great. And and vice versa, for sure. And, right. and so and before we end off, do you, yes. you have, you're writing a book. Is that what you well? Think? Yes. Um, and it won't be all about the oil field. I mean, I definitely have a lot of stories to tell. Um, I was, I, I lived a very checkered lifestyle <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I, all the stories that I share with my friends are just like, Oh my God, you need to write a book. Everybody says I need to write a book. I don't know. We'll see, but. Oh, great. And <laughs> the title the, the title of it is going to be, you have that dialed in. I'm- yes. Yes. No daughter of mine. And, uh, and honestly, there's so many stories from the patch that I would love to share with people. And a lot of them are really heartfelt stories too. Like there's just so much, so much out there to share for sure. I love it. No, that's great. And I look forward to more from you, Rhonda. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk some more and yes, we will. There, 
how can people find you and what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, well, I have a profile on LinkedIn and of course, Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is Enduro Productions, but I'm just getting started. Like I do have a web page that I'm building, um, but I'm just going to get out there and do some more online content and um, just take it from there. But I would say July, July, early August, I will launch. And um, maybe we'll touch base closer to that date. And sure. No, that'd be great. And anything that we didn't kind of touch on before that you wanted to talk about? Before? I'm sure I actually wouldn't mind mentioning my, my uh, little office co-partner there, uh, Taylor Edwards. She's actually going to start writing children's books. Yeah. Why My Dad Works the Patch, right? And I think that's an amazing idea because kids need to know, understand more too, right? So she's busily working on some children's books right now. So I'm hoping that she uh, continues with that. <laughs> oh, oh, I'd love to share that. That's that's awesome. Yes. Yes, it is. And she's actually a fourth year welder. So, and she's into QC now. So she's a very smart young lady. And I encouraged her that, yes, write these books. I think there's a demand for it. Oh, that'd be super, <laughs> super rad. No, All right. Uh, well, off there and for okay. anyone that's um that's wanting that's wanting to reach out to Rhonda please please do and and I'll uh I'm starting to advertise now for my next apprenticeship arena so next 90 day program so if anybody would like to reach out uh yeah, just send me a dm for now and uh and we'll just go with that but just take action man like if you're listening to this just if it resonates with you at all that you, you know, you're maybe not making the best choices. Maybe you are either a little depressed and it's okay to say it's okay to feel, but like maybe a little depressed and just not happy. Or if you're on fire and you want more, like let's get you more. It doesn't have to be all negative. Like this is uh this is just what we do. So um, no, I encourage you to reach out to me or Rhonda at any time and, uh, we'll go from there. So, um, yeah, excellent. And appreciate you. And thanks again, Rhonda, for being on the show. No problem. Your quality of life matters. Love it. Hey, get out there and ride that Harley. <laughs> See you, Nick. Yes. Thank you for listening to today's tale from the trench. Follow us on Instagram and message us for a customized coaching strategy call to successfully live your oil-filled lifestyle. You can earn a fulfilled life. Check back next week to continue listening.